This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Let me share a testimony to give you some perspective about why the things that we have been looking at on these Sunday nights is so important to me. In my undergrad in Bible college, because it was a liberal arts education, we had to study psychology, abnormal psychology, adolescent psych. I've got a, had many of those classes. And as I studied them, what I began to realize is this was man's explanation and attempt to try to help man in his condition. But especially with abnormal psych, what we began to realize, what I began to realize is there is a lot of neuroses out there that frankly nobody has an answer to. And just because somebody comes up with an answer doesn't mean that it is the answer. And then when I got into seminary, where I went to uh, seminary, They had a strong emphasis on biblical counseling. And I started taking courses with, uh, I remember one course in particular where we had a Christian medical doctor. And and through the course, we had to write papers and so on, he began to debunk what is happening where the medical and the uh, psychiatric, the drugs that are out there, Uh, And as a medical doctor, he was seeing things that alarmed him. And and my eyes were opened as I listened uh, to this this godly man explain uh, just how we're fearfully and wonderfully made, but because of sin and things that happen within our bodies, they can have emotional uh, and mental consequences. And again, I received some wonderful help. Uh, during that time, I was in my first pastorate, and we began to apply those principles. The city that uh, we lived in was a small country town, 12,000 residents, but it had 10,000 college students. There was a University of Wisconsin extension there. But because it was a teaching school, and of course part of that was teaching psychiatry, psychology, they also had a number of group homes in the city and these were people uh, many of them had come from walks of life where they got depressed had other things happen a a serious uh, tragic event they struggled with depression other other things and it is so true of what happens today they'll go to someone they'll explain how they feel and someone will sit across a desk from them and without doing blood work, without, they'll just hear how they feel, symptoms, and they're writing them a prescription. But here's the problem. In some of those situations, if the provider feels that you're unstable enough, they can make you a ward of the state. And so the, the medications are not an option anymore. You have to take them 
or they'll put you in an institution. And so we tried to emphasize there, well, we're emphasizing here, biblical discipleship. And some of these individuals that were in these homes, they'd be out during the day and they could shop and so on. <coughs> some of these folks started to come to Christ. And we had, and I think of two ladies, and we had godly ladies in the church that had been taught, because what I was getting uh, in my classes, I was coming back to the church and I was saying, hey, we need to understand how to apply biblical truth to these things. And so in their discipleship, they started to share this truth with these individuals. And their lives started to change. In fact, I'll never forget uh, Sharon, one of these ladies, had been a career school teacher, got depressed, ended up a ward of the state. When we met Sharon, she could not function because of the way she viewed herself, <coughs> excuse me, what she had been told about herself, and so on. But after she got saved and started to think correctly, God started to change her life. I'll never forget the day. One of our ladies was discipling her, and then I was meeting with her. We were working through panic attacks and those kinds of things. One day she walked into my office with a Walmart bag full of medication. She set it on my desk and said, Pastor, I don't need this anymore. All right, my advice was, don't stop taking it, all right? Let's continue. You grow, and you talk to your doctors and so on. And as she talked to them, they started to see the changes. They started weaning her off those things. There was another gal named Lisa. She had done some time in the military. She had been a police officer and was an EMT. But she was in the same situation. And by the way, she was the president of a support group in one of these group homes. That was Lisa. The vice president was Sharon. And I thought, they're trying to help these people have some meaning in life, but if these two were running my support group, I'm out. Literally, Lisa was, was close to, again, not being able to function at all. Well, she had all of this training. Her arms looked like railroad tracks from all the times that she had cut herself. She started visiting our church. I remember one Sunday where she was curled up in a corner having a panic attack, and some of the ladies just came and watched her, made sure she was okay. But her life started to change. She went back to college. At her open house for college, and the, the woman that was discipling her had... Um, had a bunch of us over, Lisa was there, some of Lisa's family came. Her life had radically changed. Why? Her thinking changed. Her psychologist came to the open house because she wanted to meet these church people and try to figure out what was going on. God did that. But God allowed that to happen to show this preacher as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. 
out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and, and we are what we think, okay? And so God energized me with, with the truth of what he can do uh, to change lives through his word. So when I bring these things to you, I'm not just speaking theory. By the way, Lisa had a mentally handicapped brother, and at the same time we tried to we were trying to help him. Uh, the parents were reaching out to us. Uh, this young man was in his early 20s, was having all kinds of physical problems. And again, I was teaching on these things. We were talking about some of the, quote, medications, unquote, that are out there. And I had been giving warnings about Ritalin. How many of you remember Ritalin? Okay. Well, my kid won't behave. Here's, here's medication. This young man, her brother, had been taking Ritalin for years. He fell and broke a hip as an early 20-something. When they got in there, the doctor told the family, his bones are like cardboard. And then the doctor said this, has he been taking Ritalin? Uh-oh. And so once again, what, what we were trying to give cautions about, again, fully supported from the medical world and so on, uh, God, God just kept bringing to light the truth. Now, with this testimony, I'm not trying to create more questions than I answer. But I want us to understand that God has given us everything we need to know him and to live this life to please him. We have to remember that there was a day on this planet where there weren't pharmacies, there weren't pills, uh, and from a Judeo-Christian perspective, those societies did very well when they just followed what God said. I think back to those days, and I think about the world I live in today. Am I safer today than those other societies were? We, we could have a long talk about that. And so let's compare the counseling philosophies that are out there. I want to begin with 1 Timothy 6 and verse 20. Think about these words to Timothy. O Timothy, and you'll need to write down this reference. This is by way of introduction. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. That's a reference to the truth. Avoiding profane and vain babblings. If we could put that in today's English, here's what that means. Worldly, empty chatter. Now, Paul is using that. It's just babbling. Somebody's running their mouth. But the world doesn't think that. This is scholarship. This is cutting-edge knowledge. Paul, under inspiration, says to Timothy, avoid that. And oppositions, opposing arguments to what You've been taught what I've been teaching you, opposing arguments, and notice what it says, of what? Science, but science that's falsely so-called. The word there for science is, is one of the Greek words for knowledge. 
It's what is viewed as scientific, scholarly knowledge. And Paul says it's called that, but it's false. What a warning. A professor of psychology was correct when he said this, quote, psychology and religion are competing faiths. If you seriously hold to one set of values, you will logically have to reject the other, end quote. It's a religion. A little bit later, we're going to quote what that religion is, read from their very documents. It's humanism. So consider the matters to, or the answers to the following questions and the differences between Bible truth and psychological theory. And again, this is just surface, but I want us in our minds to, to be able to compare these things. Here are critical questions the man has been asking since the beginning. Man's question is this, what am I? What am I? Well, the Bible says this, man is the creation of God with body, soul, and spirit. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So in the creation, God put in all the structure. I would remind us, there are two things that God breathed. He spoke creation into existence. Let there be, and, and in those days that follow, let there be, and there were fish, and there was animal life. But then God made a distinction between the animals and man. God did not speak man into existence. God knelt down out of the dust of the ground. The great sculptor made Adam. And then he did something else that was different than the rest of creation. He knelt down. Closest thing to mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation you're going to find in the Bible. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became, unlike the rest of creation, a living soul. Do you know why we're eternal? We've got God's breath in us. You can't extinguish God's breath. The only one who ever extinguished God's breath was the Son of God on the cross. He gave up his spirit. He chose to die. It's the only time. So there's the distinction. You are not a higher animal form. You're not. If we're simply animals, then we can act like animals. A lot of humans today have been taught that, and they're acting like animals. All right. So God made man. He breathed into him the breath of life. So God breathed out life in man. And then the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. What's that mean? God breathed out his word. So he breathed into man life. 
and then he breathed the instruction manual. Here's how we function. This tells us what works, what doesn't work. Okay? Uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, that uh, man may be thoroughly furnished, completely equipped. That's what the Bible says. So God told us what is right, what is wrong, how to make it right, and how to keep it right. God's word. The instruction manual. That's what I am as a man. And we can look at many passages, but 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this, the very God of peace sanctify you. What's the next word? Holy. Completely. All right, to set you apart completely unto himself. And I pray that God, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body, everything he created you to be, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I haven't given it to you here in your handout, but verse 24 says this, listen, Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. He's going to do it. He promised. So that's what the Bible says. What does psychology say man is? Man is a creature of evolution with body, mind, and personality. See, if you deny the creation and what God made us to be, well, there's not an eternal soul. This is what they say. Robert Woodsworth, I'm quoting him here. Another very important influence came from Darwin. He's talking about psychiatry, psychology, and the theory of evolution. For if all animals are blood relatives in respect to bodily structure, must they not be the same in respect to behavior and mentality? If we're simply animals, well, that's going to affect how we think, how we behave. Survival of the fittest. Dr. Robert Watson said Darwin kept a diary of his infant son. This record was one of the sources for the beginning of modern child psychology. How many of you have, infant, have had infant sons? Can I see your hands? All right. Watching your infant son, did you learn enough to write a whole book and try to influence a whole planet related to behavior? My infant sons help me realize I'm a sinner and I need to pray harder. But they were all so different that, well, Darwin had an infant son, and all the answers are going to be a result of that son. No. But I share that quote to help you realize how ridiculous the foundation for this was from Freud, Skinner, and Rogers who reject the very existence of God. Sullivan wrote a book, The Limitations of Science, and I want you to listen to what he said. The beginning of the evolutionary process raises a question which is as yet unanswerable. What was the origin of life on this planet? Until fairly recent times, there was a pretty general belief in the occurrence of 
spontaneous generation. Any of you taught that in school? All right. But careful experiments, notably those of Pasteur, showed that this conclusion was due to imperfect observation. Okay. Pasteur proved them wrong, in other words. Showed that this conclusion was based on imperfect observation and became an accepted doctrine that life never arises except from life. Now think about that. Does any life ever form from what is not already alive? The answer is no. Now, Pasteur discovered that, and then many years later, they began to study and understand DNA. In fact, there's an article, you can go back, it's, it's actually decades old now, but the name of the article was Darwin's Black Box. And scientists and researchers began to study DNA, all that information in our cells. And they began to realize, based on everything else that they see on this planet, there is no way you can have explosions and gases come together and slimy things crawl up on, on shores and get the order and the structure that is human life and all of, they didn't use the word creation, there's no way that all of this order and this information can come out of chaos. Bottom line, though, you have to have life for there to be life. And so Sullivan goes on, so far as actual evidence goes, this is still the only possible conclusion. But since it is a conclusion that seems to lead back to some supernatural creative act, it is a conclusion that scientific men find very difficult to accept. Here's the evidence. Here's the evidence, but if we agree with the evidence, then we've got to agree with supernatural creation. Wait a minute, we're not, we're not ready to do that. Because if we do that, then we have to start agreeing with the Bible. We don't want to agree with the Bible. If we agree with that, with what the science is really telling us, then ultimately we're going to have to come to acknowledge that we are accountable to a creator. We don't want that. All right, so man's question, what am I? Let's look at man's next question. What is the goal in life? Well, you probably have already filled in this blank. The Bible says man is created to glorify God. Very good. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I've given you there as well 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That's why we're here. Write down this reference. I didn't give it to you in your notes, but Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. By the way, this is a great text for those that want to tell us there are life on other planets, aliens, etc., all things were created for his glory. 
So there are a lot of explanations about extraterrestrial things that are happening. If you really dive into what is happening, and by the way, I have. I've, I've studied some of this. It all leads away from God. Not to God, not as glory. leads away from God. And folks that have claimed to have had some of these out-of-body experiences and so on and seen aliens and, and so on, it's documented, folks, that when they started to have those nightmares and things, when they called out in Jesus' name, it stopped. I could say more. Let me tell you what I think about aliens. I think a rapture is going to happen, and I think Satan is going to have to have in people's minds a reason why a bunch of people disappeared from this planet. That's the explanation. All right, so man was created for God's glory. What does psychology say? Man must adjust to his fellow man. Look at Jung's quote there. Of course, to win for oneself a place in society and so transform one's nature that it is more or less fitted to his existence, it is every, uh, I'm sorry, existence is in every instance an important, and what's that next word? Achievement. Do you know that your life has meaning if you achieve being able to transform your nature to be like everybody else. What do you think, parents? Good idea or bad idea? You just need to fit in. Be like the culture. You need to conform to social norms. We live in a society that's changing and becoming more and more pagan all the time. In their minds, because of evolutionary theory, which has resulted in modern psychology, the best way for society to function is for everybody to just get along and think the same way. And if you oppose what is commonly held thinking, you become a problem and even an enemy. Now, if you're thinking with me tonight, you know that that's the basis of socialism, that's the basis of Marxism. (coughs) But where does it have its roots? Same place where psychology does. And so let's think about that. The best achievement is just to fit into what everybody else is doing. Let me give a couple examples. So we fought a civil war in this country to change that thinking because in many places, slavery was fine. And by the way, in the Deep South, they had Bible reasons as to why slavery was fine. Now, don't don't get mad at me. I'm not saying that was the only reason for the civil war. But if everybody had gone along with popular thinking, nothing would have changed. Here's an even more stark example. World War II happened because Germany had accepted this thinking. By the way, it wasn't just Hitler. It was the fact that German theologians 
started this whole matter of higher criticism where they started picking apart the Bible. They gutted any thinking that the scripture was legitimate from the minds of the German society. What was the result? Whatever everyone thinks is right, whatever's popular, we go along. It wasn't long, though, when people started to wake up. It wasn't just the Jews anymore that were being hauled off. It was Christians. It was minorities. And I could go on. The real question is, how do I adjust to fallen man whose heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? How do I adjust to that? Jeremiah 17, 9 then finishes, God says of that heart, who can know it? So think, if I have to understand man's behavior and fit in and adjust, and that's an achievement, when God says I can't even know how desperately wicked it is, how does that even work? Let's look at man's next question. Who is my supreme authority? Well, we know what the scripture says. The Bible says God is the authority. Right? The old expression, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. That's not exactly correct. God said it, and that settles it whether I believe it or not. I better believe it, though, because that's how life works. Exodus 20, 2 and 3, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Consider Ephesians 1 and verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. What matters? What I am before him. Be holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. Verse 11, and whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things, watch, after the counsel of his own will. His counsel is what I need to listen to and follow. Why? Because everything works according to that. Not the way I want it to work, the way he said it should work. So God is the authority. What does psychology say? Man is the authority. So let me quote for you from the two humanist manifestos. Maybe you don't even know, but the humanists got together back in the 1930s and they actually wrote uh, the first manifesto. A few years later, they wrote the second. But here's what Humanist Manifesto 1 says. The time is past for mere revision of traditional attitudes. Science and economic change have disrupted the old beliefs. Religions the world over are under the necessity of coming to terms with new conditions created 
by a vastly increased knowledge and experience. Oh, we've learned so much. They go on. In every field of human activity, the vital movement is now in the direction of a candid and explicit humanism. Now, I actually believe that last statement. The vital movement, what is happening, is in the direction of an explicit humanism that will ultimately result with an antichrist who claims to be God ruling the whole world. When you hear the expression, one world order, well, what's going to happen is going to be one world chaos. But the order is to move the world in that direction. So that's human, Humanist Manifesto 1. Listen to Humanist Manifesto 2. We can discover no divine purpose or providence for the human species. While there is much we do not know, oh, really? Okay. No, they didn't say that. I said that. Okay. While there's much we do not know, humans are responsible for what we are or will become. No deity will save us. We must save ourselves. Man is the authority. Dr. Lefebvre said this, psychotherapists are now permitted by tacit agreement to set the standard of what is right or wrong. We'll go on to the next question. So what is my standard of behavior? Well, the Bible says it is the word of God. I've already quoted for you. Won't do it again, but 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Think about this. For God's word to be my standard, it must be complete in telling me how to keep the standard or God isn't just. Now, parents, we need to step back and even think about our own parenting. You can demand things of your children, but you better step back and think, is this a reasonable expectation? There are unjust parents who demand things of kids, and kids get defeated. That's why the scripture says, lest they be discouraged. Because we ask things where we haven't explained how to do it. We don't give them guidance for that. But we have a perfect Father in heaven where he gives us what he expects and then he tells us how to do it. Okay? Again, going back to the completed scriptures. So this brings us to the sufficiency of scripture for mankind. One professing Christian author, Gary Collins, wrote a book in the 80s entitled, Can You Trust Psychology? <coughs> in his mind... The answer is yes. He's what we would call an integrationalist. In other words, we need the Bible. The Bible speaks to spiritual matters, but when it comes to physical matters, we need doctors. And by the way, I, I don't disagree on that front. But when it comes to emotional and mental things, oh, now we need psychologists and psychiatrists. 
And so when it comes to spiritual things, come see your pastor. But when it comes to those other things, go get professional help. Now here's the problem. God made us in his image, body, soul, and spirit all work together. And in fact, the scripture tells us that there are things that I can do in sinning that will affect my body. Did you know that in scripture we can find examples of depressed people? Not because their lithium levels were off. Elijah was depressed. He was suicidal and worn out. But why? And how did God help Elijah to get back in the game? He let him sleep. He fed him. And then a still small voice. Elijah, what are you doing down here in the wilderness? He let Elijah express himself, but as he expressed himself, ah, we get to the bottom of the problem. Elijah's not thinking correctly. In fact, he had convinced himself he's the only one who's remained faithful to God. And what does God tell him? 8,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Did you know we have an example in Scripture of somebody who's bipolar? Ever heard of King Saul? One minute you can be playing music for him in the throne room and he's sitting there and his heart is settled. The next minute he's got a javelin he's trying to pin you to one of the palace walls. But the Bible tells us what happened. He had forsaken the Lord. Now, are there chemical imbalances? Certainly there are. But don't believe that about yourself until you have a blood test and a doctor has looked at that blood test and said, there are substances in your body that you should have and they're depleted or they're off. Now we can say more about that later and, and physical problems can lead to emotional issues. If your thyroid is off, you're going to be off. I was working with a Christian counselor one time said they had a young girl who just changed. Uh, she was a gentle soul, and she just became out of control. Christian girl, godly Christian home. So they had some medical work done. You know what her problem was? She had been bitten by a tick, and she had Lyme's disease. So the physical can affect the other things. I'm, I'm not denying that. But again, if somebody is sitting across a desk and, and, and you are struggling emotionally and they're writing you a prescription, what if you went to a surgeon and said, I heard here, and he says, you know, I have an opening next week. Let's bring you in. I'm going to put you on the table. I'm going to cut you open, and we're going to take a look. You would say, time to find another surgeon. But this is the mentality today. And so we, again, have to be careful. Going back to what Gary Collins said. Can you trust psychology? Here's what he said. The word of God never claims to have all the answers to all of life's problems, end quote. 
I don't know what Bible he has, but I strongly disagree. First, we must let Scripture define the problem. If man defines it, then, then you're really not even sure what you're dealing with. For instance, a phobia. A phobia can simply be unbiblical fear. Is all fear wrong? No, you should fear heights. If you're going down the road and the arms come down at a railroad crossing and there are red lights doing this, you should fear to try to run those tracks. Okay? If you go into your kitchen and something long and gray slithers behind the garbage can. Okay? Husbands, call your wives. I mean, wives. Okay. There are certain things that we should fear. But you know what the Lord says overall? Only fear the Lord and serve him with all of your heart. Sometimes our fears are simply unbiblical because instead of trusting God, we're trying to be in control. What does God say? 2 Peter 1.3, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him who hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, as soon as you, you question this, you have to start dismissing Scripture. So the Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Was it affecting him emotionally? Sure was. Paul prayed three times. God said no. My grace is what? Whoa. Sufficient? That's what God said. Did, did Paul have any reason for post-traumatic stress? He listened. But where did he turn for help? His all-sufficient God. How about passages like, so My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. All the need he will supply. And you can probably think of other passages that guarantee us God's full support and supply. Now, what does psychology say? Well, <coughs> we've already referred to this, but the standard of behavior is the norms of society. Sperling said, people whose behavior differs widely and steadily from social requirements are called abnormal. Since societies differ in their requirements, an act that is normal in one place may be abnormal in another. Now, that's true, but because it is true, the norms of society shouldn't be the standard. There are norms in societies where they still like to eat each other. I, I don't want that to be the standard where I live. All right, instead of having changing man be the norm of society, how about if we just trust an unchanging God? So this is why what society does shouldn't be our standard. Think about how standards can change. In the early days of our country and in Europe, they would bleed patients who were ill because they felt they had bad blood. 
In fact, depending on what accounts you read, that probably is why our first president, George Washington, died. They weakened his system because they were bleeding him. Now, did the Bible have the answer? Sure. Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. Take the blood, you're drawing the life out of the body. Let's fast forward to a modern example. In 1972, it was illegal to murder an unborn baby. Well, because in our society, when we feared God, we knew what the scripture said and we knew that that is wrong. But when we shifted away from what God thought to what man thought was best in 1973, now it's, it's legal. Again, I'm thankful we serve an unchanging God in a world of changing men and attitudes, unpredictable philosophies. All right. And so we're going to stop there tonight. Hold on to your handout. We're going to finish it up next time as we answer these other questions. I hope this is a help to you. I wanted to build your confidence. We can all think of examples. Well, I know this person who is on medication. They're stable. When they get off the medication, they're very unstable. I'm not going to deny that sometimes that's the case. I can't even explain it. I can tell you that what psychiatry has taught us, I think the premise is wrong, but in their research and in, in their studies and so on, we have learned a lot more about the brain. That's a good thing. And some of what we learned is how the brain functions, and there are, in fact, chemicals that can help the brain function better. But again, I would, I would ask you to be very cautious uh, about whatever you put into your system. That medical doctor that I told you about, uh, and again, I, 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 if you're on any of this, I'm not suggesting that right away you should get off of it, but the medical doctor shared with us, uh, people have to be very careful with drugs like lithium. He's had people that have come to see him, and they said, I, we, I think my problem is my lithium levels are off. And then he'd ask him this question, <coughs> do you know how much lithium is naturally in the body? In other words, did God put that there? Well, no, I don't know. And his answer is, there's none. It's a foreign substance to the body. They have to regulate lithium levels because if it's not just right, it's fatal. Okay. So once again, we've, we've heard this, that there are certain things that they give you because if you don't have this, your levels are going to be off. Sometimes that actually is induced because of modern thinking, not based on science. And so uh, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't claim to have all the answers, but your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of God. You're not your own. So glorify God with that body. Before you do anything with it, you need to find out everything you can and seek the Lord's will about what is best for his temple, which is God's. You've listened very well tonight, and I uh, 
hope that, that again, this has emboldened you to go to your Bible for answers. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the light of your word that shows us each step for the path ahead. And Lord, we should not be ignorant in discerning what the will of the Lord is. But we know that we can be influenced by vain deceits, empty thinking that go against you and actually do war against our souls. Help us to be students of the word. Help us to walk with you, to find you all sufficient. And Lord, would you use us this week to share the gospel with others, to introduce them to the great physician who can heal soul and body. Give us safety, please, as we head to our homes now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.